3 a.m. Again, why did I ever think this was a good idea? Welcome to the Rise and Run podcast. Join our group of Run Disney friends as we talk about running at Walt Disney World and beyond. We'll discuss recent runs, training, upcoming races, and surprise topics suggested by you, our listeners. Well, the alarm's gone off, so let's go. My fellow Run Disney fans, our long national nightmare is over. After 623 days of wandering in the wilderness of virtual runs, of seeing our running friends only on Zoom, if at all, in less than 100 hours, Mickey and his friends will start the countdown, the fireworks will go off, and the Wine and Dine 5K will begin, signaling to the world that Run Disney has returned. And we are all psyched. Welcome, everybody. <laughs> welcome to the third. Welcome to the third episode of the Rise and Run podcast. We will really be rising and running later this week, and uh, I couldn't be more excited. We got uh, the casting crew with us. Let's see. I did north to south last week. We're going to go west to east this week. It's a geography test for me every week. I kind of get a kick out of it. Our, our westernmost component is not with us today. That would be Alicia. She's going to miss this one. So as we head east, we next run into Lexi. Hi. Good to see you, Lexi. Then actually next west to east on the west coast of the Florida Peninsula is me. I'm Bob. Uh, going a little further east towards Atlanta where Jack is. Hi. Up to Philadelphia for Greg. Hey, hey, hey. And then east to North Jersey, not quite the Jersey Shore, and John. Hey. Hey, calm down, John. Good to see you. <laughs> I know. You're Good, to see you. <laughs> Good to see you, everybody. Hey, we are now available wherever quality podcasts are sold. Once again, I feel a little silly telling our audience members where to find us, because if you're listening to this, clearly you found us, but you may have, uh, you may still be using an old link that we sent out early on in we're now up on all the major sites, Apple, Google, uh, Spotify, Stitcher. The only one we're not on, and I'm not sure how many people use it, is Pandora. For some reason, it literally takes months to get up on Pandora. So eh, I'm not holding my breath. If we get there, great. If not, uh, I think we got plenty. Listen, of Apple finally approved us, so we're legit now. Yeah. So we don't, we, don't, we don't need no stinking Pandora. Yeah. And speaking of Apple... It's, it'll soon be time for us to put the NPR uh, pledge drives to shame and start begging for five-star reviews. But I think, I think I'll just leave that hang and we'll talk more about it at the end of the show. Speaking of the show, we think we've got a good one for you today. We want to talk about uh, wine and dine. And we don't honestly know what to expect, but we know what we've seen in the past. And so we're hoping a lot of that comes back. We can talk about it. I want to talk about it because I realize that there are probably folks listening who have never done a run Disney event before and either going to be there this weekend or maybe in January, February, or April. And we'd like to let you know what's going on. Also, we have a really, really good uh, race report this week. We had a special interview with Mandy. Mandy finished the Boston Marathon here a few weeks ago. I hope you're able to hold on for that because I think you'll really enjoy it. So let's get going, gang. We're talking about uh, wine and dine coming up, and 
first run Disney events. I remember my first one. It was, in fact, I know this is an audio only podcast. But I'm wearing the T-shirt from the 2016 Wine and Dine Half Marathon. That was my first. My first. Same here. Yeah, there's a bunch of us. Uh, it was Alicia's first. It's so funny, though, because none of us knew each other. Well, Bob and Alicia met there, right? Yes, and I actually had met Greg before that. Yep. So let's let's kind of take it one step at a time and talk about these Run Disney events. We, as we've alluded to many times, named this podcast Rise and Run because you got to get up really early to get involved in Disney runs. And they've actually made them a little earlier. So if you're staying in a Disney resort, when you get there, you're going to find that in the lobby, there'll be signs up about when the buses leave. And they're early. First bus usually takes off. I think the first buses are taken off. Has anybody seen? I think it's 3 a.m. I just pulled up the event guide. The first bus for the 5K and the 10K are at 3 a.m. And the first bus for the half is at 2.30. Oh, wow. It's so early. <laughs> it's like, why even sleep? It might be okay to just finish the 10K and just hang around. Just stay there until the <laughs> next morning. I did notice that runner tracking was available now. I don't know if you saw that or not. There are links up on the Run Disney site for runner tracking. I could not find a way to track by instant message, which we always did in the past. Same here. Yeah. There was a Gmail link and a Twitter link, and that was it. If you want to track one of your favorite runners, you can go in there and look them up by bib number, which I think is available now. Yeah, bib numbers are available. They are. They are. Yes, they are. When you sign your digital waiver and you get your expo pass, your bib number will be on there. So bib numbers are available. What's not available that used to be at this time is what corral you're starting out of. That you won't know until you pick up your big bib this year. And Bob, you mentioned the expo pass. Can you explain a little bit about what that means? I will do my best. Again, this is a this is a new thing. If you go into your run Disney account, and look into your Run Disney documents, there'll be a link there that says, get your Expo Pass. You clicked on that link. The pass came up. I did it on my phone. My pass came up. And what I did then, and actually Run Disney recommended this, I just took a screenshot of the pass that came up on my phone so that when I go in, I can just show them mine. and, And my wife also has one for the 5K. Now, you could also print that out in hard copy, but don't do what I do. And, and I've done it for three or four races. When we were doing hard copy waivers, I would print the waiver out. I would sign it. I would bring it down with me in the car to Disney World. And then I would leave it in the parking lot when I got to the expo. Now, that used to be okay because you used to be able to print and sign a, a waiver there. I don't know if that's going to be available this year. It's all going to be new. Well, no, it's there will be things that are different. It's not all going to be new, but there will be things that are different. And this is one of them. We don't know how it's going to work. I know it won't be perfect. It just won't. But uh, that's what I did. So I've got them on my phone. So I should be, I should be good to go. I should be able to get into the expo. 
and then we'll see what happens from there. Day of the run, we usually in our Facebook groups, the Run Disney Motivational Team are the Marathon Weekend First Timers Team. We usually try to meet up before the runs. What I've done in past years, and again, have no idea what's going to happen. There's typically been a stage where there's been a DJ or other entertainment going on, and there have been some bleachers set up. And I've tried to get to the right side of the bleachers as you're facing the stage. I am usually pretty easy to find. So if you see a tall old guy wearing a running cap, come say hi. What's the worst that could happen if it's the wrong person, right? We don't know how they're going to release us. Uh, We know there's four start groups, according to the running guide. We'll see what happens. We'll talk to you about it next week because we'll have two veterans of the run by then. I do know that they fire off fireworks before each group starts. Not much for the 5K. They save the bigger fireworks for the half. And then you're off and you're running through Disney World. And it's cool. It's a lot of fun. I'm sure there will be photo opportunities. I'm sure there'll be entertainment along the side of the track. I believe they're going to allow spectators in some form. And that'll be good. Let's talk a little bit about the mindset of Disney runs. And I think they're a little different than other group runs that you might participate in. I think the Disney runs are just a bit different. What do you guys think? I agree, especially for first-time runners. Because I remember back to my first time, I had no idea what to expect. And even now, like going from my first one to now, if I had known anything about Run Disney Community or what to expect at all, if I'd done any research, which I didn't, <laughs> I would have, I my going into it, I feel like I would have approached it differently too. In what way? Um, I feel like with Run Disney races, you have to take the pressure off of yourself. Yeah. Um, because there's so much going on and not just along the course with entertainment, but with the characters. That's one of my favorite things to do is look at the characters around me and what people have dressed as. And there have been some crazy awesome costumes. And I love like thinking that someone would want to run 13.1 miles in a cape and a long sleeve in Orlando, Florida. It just blows my mind. <laughs> I definitely agree with Lexi because there's so much more to see and uh, look at when you're at a Disney race. Whereas if you do like a regular race, you think a lot about, oh my gosh, I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm going to get through this. It's going to be great. And you're having fun. But when you're doing a Disney race, you're, you're wearing the costumes. You, you have people cheering for you and be like, uh, if say if, like if you're wearing a Pooh Bear costume, someone's going to be like, go Pooh, you can do this. And it's so enlightening and fun. And just looking at everybody's costumes and you can talk to the person next to you. You're going to have probably have some kind of conversation with somebody at some point during the race. And I think Disney races are just so much fun and bubbly and magical. And I guess that's why it sets it apart from other races, you know? Just to echo both uh, Lexi and Jack's comments, What's so great about run Disney races is that, and we've mentioned this previously in other episodes, this is your victory lap. These are no pressure races whatsoever. I mean, sure. If you want to, because it's Florida and you, you know, it's flat and you want to use it 
to get a, a good PR. Okay, go for it. But for the majority of us, it's it's that victory lap. The fact that I can proudly say I have had, and, and Bobby, you've alluded to this, and you've said this to me privately years ago. It is my slowest 10K, and it is my slowest half marathon, and I am so dang proud of that because you just have a ball of a time, you know, running all of those races. So again, sure. You know, the beginning, you know, getting on, you know, getting up early, getting on the bus, getting through security, you know, finding your corral short, that, that might be a little stressful, but once you're in that corral and you hear those fireworks go off, it's all the pressure just flows out of your body and you're set to have a great time. I feel like, Oh, I love everything that Greg said. It makes me so happy and I like excited. I can't wait to hear about this coming weekend. But to put this also into his perspective that these run Disney races, it's one of those races where you almost don't want to put headphones in your ears because there's so much going on around you that you kind of want to just take every single little moment in. And it truly makes you smile throughout the entire time, whether your distance that you're doing is a 5K, 10K, half, or in January, a full marathon. I've never felt like I just needed to take my earphones out just to be able to hear everything. And this is one of those places where you want to you want to be able to hear and take everything in during the race. And it makes me happy, you know, and it's fun. And I mean, truthfully, you know, like you're paying enough for the race, like get your money's worth. And it's so fun to just, you know, take that pressure off yourself. The only time you really have to worry about is the balloon ladies. But don't even worry about the balloon ladies because a lot of people super freak out. Oh, my gosh, the balloon ladies must be right behind me because I'm going so slow. You got this. Just trust your training. Keep putting one foot in front of the other and enjoy the heck out of that race. That was my biggest takeaway from this 2016 half was that I had done the training and I had not run a half in 30 years. I had done the training and I knew very early on in the race, in the event that the training was going to get me through. And it did. And yeah, I, I heard you guys talking about don't stress. And I agree. There are a lot of times in a Disney run where I just, I just want to stop. I just want to slow way down and take it all in. And it's not this weekend that's coming up. It's the marathon weekend that it, this happens. But you start down Main Street. I don't want to leave. Mm-hmm. I don't. Yeah. I, I want to take as much time as I can on Main Street. But all right, they're they're a lot of fun. They really are. So I guess the message there is we were talking about the mindset of while you're running is enjoy enjoy these runs, savor these. These are the reward for all the hard training that you've done. We say it a lot, but nowhere is it more true, I think, than Disney runs. So we're back. We're back on the course. We're back. uh, Let's see. We get to the finish. Um, I'm sure that they will still have medals available. I, I I know they'll have medals available. I know that. Whether they'll be handing them out or not, I don't know. There used to be people handing the medals out. If you are a challenge participant, there will be a different area for you to go at the finish of the 10K and the half. To tell you where. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's plenty of signs. You won't miss it. 
uh, and you've got to you've got to go through there both times, I believe. I, I don't, I can't remember if you go through the challenge line at the 10K or not. I know you do after the half because that's where you get your challenge medal also. And somebody there will confirm on a computer that you indeed did finish both races. I suspect very strongly that the photographers will still be there to take finish photos. There are photographs taken all along the course. Of course, that's part of PhotoPass if you pay for that or you can buy it separately. And at the end, there are stations where you stand in front of a backdrop with your medal and with a little sign that says, I did it. And you can get your individual or small group photos there also. Then you head through the lines. There may be, depending on how hot it is, there may be other things there. There may be cooling towels for you. Maybe there uh, will likely be something to drink, a bottle of water, bottle of Powerade, uh, likely a banana. You keep moving. Keep Do keep moving. It'll help you out. And then you get to the prized post-race food box. And by golly, guys, I know things are going to change, but they got to be there. They've got to be there, right? They have to. And they've got to have the cheese. <laughs> Never had it before. A little package of, we call it plastic cheese, with a very small bag of round nachos. It's just delightful. They tried to sneak hummus in us in there on us for a couple of years, but we would have none out of it. Back to the cheese. So I hope that's still there. I'll be looking forward to talking to y'all next week after we've done one. Then maybe we'll have an idea. Well, certainly we'll know what happened to Wine and Die. Maybe we'll have an idea what's going to go on for the rest of the year. I am excited about it. And I want to add on a personal note, I'm excited about meeting as many of you as I can. So I'm serious about it. I posted a photo on the uh, Facebook group page today. So you know what I look like? I am pretty tall. And if you see me, please come say hello. Uh, And don't forget our meet and greet after the run. 10 p.m. in front of the American Pavilion over by the fast service restaurant over there. We look forward to you. Oh, and one more thing. This is different from other social runs that you do in your community. At Disney World, when you finish a run, you wear your medal. You wear your medal for the rest of the day. You wear your medal around the park. Including the challenge medals. So you can hear the click, clink, click, clink, click, clink. It's wonderful. <laughs> That's obnoxious. <laughs> just ran 19.2, wait, 19.3 miles. Be obnoxious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If, um, well, actually, actually, you, I leave with four medals 5K, 10K, half, and uh, you're just challenge. extra cool. I can't wear all four. They hurt my neck. I know that on marathon weekend, 5K, 10K, half is less than half of the total distance of the dopey. I know that. But we'll wait. We'll wait for a couple of weeks to talk about that. But do, and all seriously, do do wear your medals. People wear them to the parks. Uh, we walk by one another and we go, congratulations. Uh, maybe even a high five. We'll see. Uh, but uh, That's one of my favorite parts of walking around the park. Like seeing all of the medals and then saying congratulations to other people and then having like cast members and, oh, congratulations. And Oh, you noticed me. Thanks. <laughs> wear your race shirt, weather permitting. And at the 
at the after party, I bring all my medals. I don't wear them all. It's too noisy. So you won't know. I'm, I'll be able to sneak up on you. Lexi nope. won't. She'll be making too much noise. <laughs> I bring them because. <laughs> Where is Lexi? Oh, there she is. I hear her. <laughs> but uh, again, I think we can anticipate there will be some kind of character photo opportunities at the after party. And that's when you want to have all your medals on. That's kind of cool. I want to move on. I want to move on. It's time now for a special edition of The Race Report. Let's take a quick look. I'm going to do this fairly quickly. Last week, uh, Mark did the Wheaton Hot Cider Hustle 8 Miler, and Shannon did the Cocoa Beach 10K. But I didn't see anything on Facebook from either, so I'm not sure how that went. Uh, Gretchen, I asked her about finishing the virtual Marine Corps Marathon, and she said she had actually done it a couple weeks earlier. Let's look ahead. On We've got another world major coming up. I only have one person listed in our group running the New York City Marathon. That's Jonathan, uh, our friend from Israel. He comes over several times a year, and I checked with him not long ago, and he is, in fact, running New York this year. One I want to make special note of, the Gingerbread Run 5K at the Give Kids the World Village down there in the Disney area has a live and virtual event that Laura and Nikki are running. I don't know if they're running it live or if they're running it virtual, but great, uh, great charity, great institution. Yeah. Such an amazing organization. I am actually running, uh, on behalf of give kids the world for marathon weekend. So they're, they're just such an awesome charity and they, they get so many families to Disney and all the other theme parks. So it's really, really a uh, great charity. So I'm, I'm very jealous that they're being able to. Do yeah. I knew that was a big one for you, Greg. I, I did on uh, also on Saturday, the FCA river Valley run half marathon in Fort Smith, Arkansas. And if we're talking Fort Smith, Arkansas, we got to be talking to our buddy, Joe, he's got to run something every weekend. I'll tell you, I don't know how he does it, but he does. And then, Mark, and Mark joined our Facebook page. I wanted to give him a special shout out. Mark's running an event, the Larry St. Ange Memorial 10K in Naperville. Uh, I, I looked this one up. Larry was an important person in the community who passed away earlier this year. So this this uh, race is in his honor. Now, of course, as far as us here, us run Disney types, the big one is the return of Wine and Dine Weekend. I'm just going to run down a list of names of who's running the challenge. Allie will be there. Alicia will be there. I will. Bonnie, Jillian, Kara, Megan M, because I know we got several Megans, Pamela A and Pamela D. I'll see both of you there. And Sherry are running the challenge. So that's a 10K and the half. Running just the half, Troy and Laura running. And when I say just the half, I don't mean that just 13 miles. I mean that they're not <laughs> running the challenge. They're running only the half marathon. Uh, Jennifer is running the 10K, running the 5K. I will be with my wife, Becky. Bonnie's also running the 5K. Laura is two. So you know, Laura's running the 5K and the half, but I don't have her down for the challenge. There may have been some reason she decided on that. Christina and Jennifer. And finally running the virtual runs, all three of them, once again, our buddy Joe. So that's who's 
on the upcoming upcoming list. If you'd like to be listed or featured in our race report, the easy I tried putting a file on our Rise and Run podcast page. It, it, I haven't been successful with it. The Run Disney Motivational Team page has that file, or you can just make a posting to the Rise and Run podcast page, and I'll see it and I'll add you to it. I want to go ahead now. Earlier this week, we had a chance to talk to Mandy, who ran the Boston Marathon. Great interview, great time. I really appreciate Mandy sharing some of her time with us, and we're going to play that right now. Hey, Mandy, good to see you. Thanks for joining us. Nice to be here, Bob. This is exciting. You're our first guest on the Rise and Run podcast, so congratulations. Wow, that's quite an honor to be the first guest of the Rise and Run on the uh, baby podcast here. I know that means a lot to you. That's good. Hey, congratulations on finishing Boston. You know what I think about it. I think it's just fantastic. It's awesome. But what I'd like to talk about it, but let's start back before you got there. And let's talk a little bit about qualification. I know you, uh, I know you made your time not once but twice, but how'd that go for you? From the beginning, when I think when people start running, there are certain events that are pinnacles of the sport, and I think Boston is one of those. And I think oh, yeah. as as a runner, um, when you really get into the sport and get passionate about the sport, you think, wow, what races can I get into that are prestigious races? And that's the one that surfaces to the top pretty doggone easy. And I haven't been distance running a, a tremendous long time. I started uh, later on in life. I was a sprinter when I was younger. And I came back into the sport because of uh, actually a death in the family and a, uh, a commitment back to health and fitness. So I always liked to run. I didn't consider myself a marathon runner, but I kind of got into that basically because of the Run Disney events. Um, right. And then I took that and ran from there. And when I did some research on some really great marathons, Boston kind of surfaced. And I was close enough as far as a time um, requirement that I thought that I could, I could get the time qualifier. And I was not a person that was going to raise a bunch of money. I'm not a person that sells candy bars for the, the local, um, you know, fundraiser. That's, that's just not, I'm not that person. I'm not a money beggar. So for that, um, I knew that I had to qualify. And at the time I thought about qualifying for Boston, the, um, the time goal was scary to me. And people always say that you ought to do something that scares you, set goals that scare you. And that goal definitely scared me because I was running right around seven or nine, 10 pace uh, for me to qualify for Boston as a 47 year old woman. I have to run a 350 marathon, which is, is, you know, pretty decent which in the quick. grand scheme yeah. of things. And I thought, you know what? I can run a half marathon in in one forty five. Why can't I run a four a full marathon in in under three fifty? So I got a coach. I started training on that. The first one I picked was a downhill marathon um, that I was actually going to qualify for. Uh, it was uh, in the summer. I ran a. I don't know. I remember you doing. I remember you qualified on that one by. I'm going to say six or seven six minutes. Or even. Seven minutes, like a, yeah. a a three forty three is what I ran in that one. And then I came back again, and I was, I was like, well, I kind of like to make my PR a little bit better. And then I went. I ran in Houston at the USA Fit Marathon last January, and I ran a three thirty six oh five. Yeah, you smoked that qualifier. one. Yeah. 
yeah, yeah that, that's impressive. And and then you don't have to sweat out. Um, even though I've made the cut, what's the real cut going to be? Right, right. And that's that's the other caveat in all of this, especially during COVID, and especially during all that. We also had to deal with reduced field size, yep. um, COVID requirements, things like that. So not only did you have to mate your qualifying standards, most year in Boston with a $30,000 field size or 30,000 30, yeah. person mm-hmm. field size, mm-hmm. you have, you know, that two seconds of buffer that you have to be faster, two seconds faster than your qualifier I knew that I needed to be, I wanted to be five minutes under on that first marathon that I ran to qualify. And I did do that, but I, I fought with that second marathon to try to, to go and to go to Houston during January. There was a snowstorm on that Friday. I almost didn't get on my vehicle and go. No, but I couldn't find anybody to go with me. So I was traveling by myself and I just, finally said, you know what, if I get to the airport on this Friday morning in a snowstorm, I'm going to go run this marathon. (laughs) And I went down there and the weather was absolutely beautiful. It was calm. It was 52 degrees. Perfect. And I ran a 336. So I was under by 14 minutes, which uh, got me in for 2021. You had to run uh, seven minutes and 41 seconds under your qualifying standard, which is more than wow. it's ever have been to qualify for Boston. Wow. That's, so yeah. I was glad that I ran that second marathon. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Cause yeah, a lot of folks do make that cutoff, but then when the field gets narrowed down, it, they miss it by a minute or two. I can think of a couple guys that did that. So, so great. So you qualified, I think in many ways, that's the hard part. It is. Now you're going to Boston. Now it's put off and it's not April, it's October this year. And uh, you're up there. Uh, how early, how'd you get there? When did you get there? Uh, we got there on, in on Friday. My husband traveled with me. Uh, we went straight to the run expo. This year, you either had to produce a vaccine card or you had to get uh, a, a negative COVID test. Um, as far as uh, you know, the modern times that we live in, not over ninety three percent. I think ninety three percent of the qualified runners did have a COVID test, and then um, the rest of them tested there. But I think they had two positive COVIDs that they had to to ask not to run. Oh, but wow. the field was highly vaccinated. Um, I got the vaccine just because of Boston, because I knew that I was going to have to have it for Boston. So I just went on ahead and, and got my COVID vaccine. I was glad that I did. Um, you had to go, basically it was a health check. I mean, you had to go in there. They looked at my card, they zipped on a bracelet. If you didn't have your little bracelet on, you couldn't start, you couldn't get on the bus. You couldn't go to the, um, the, you couldn't pick up your number. Uh, you couldn't uh, tow the start line, basically, and you couldn't get your medal at the end. They checked your for your wristband at the end for your COVID wristband. Pretty thorough. Yeah, I'm glad you did too. That was uh, that was some good planning on your part that you you took care of that. I'm glad you did. I'm glad you did it for a lot of reasons. You stayed healthy too. I'm happy to see that. So now you get up there. Um, you you talked. You want to say anything else about the expo? Uh, the expo was absolutely miserable. <laughs> uh, no, I didn't see that coming. 
<laughs> it was absolutely miserable. The vendors weren't very good and it was all COVID related. A lot of the, um, a lot of the runners from years past that I talked to said that the, the expo was great usually. And this year there were six vendors and a couple of places that you could get your pictures taken. I mean, it was, it was, it was dismal. It was, it was bad. This so, is a world major for crying out loud. Where, yeah. yeah. It, it was a world major. Um, the thing that I noticed the most going in there is the Boston jacket. And, you know, people don't, people don't talk about the jacket that much. And I'm going to get a little emotional. I'm sorry, Bob. No, you, you're fine. You, you, go ahead. And the significance of wearing that jacket is an unbelievable thing. Because when I started this whole situation, I thought one of the only things I want as a runner is to put on that Boston jacket and to see the amount of people in Boston that were wearing their Boston jackets from previous years was unbelievable. And it was was so great to know that you were in and that you were in the company of other people that had the same passion and love to do what you do. And that was, that was the great thing about that. And I'm a bumbling idiot on your podcast. <laughs> no. I apologize. no, I think it's fantastic. And I mean, I'm, I didn't do what you did, but I understand the feeling. I really do. And I think it was, it was great. Really great. It was, it was great to see, it was it was great to see people that had jackets on from 2005 that had five or six or seven patches from those next years that were on that jacket. So awesome. I I think that's one of the things that you don't see in other marathons is just the legacy of runners that have qualified year after year after year. And I, I personally, there's a lot of people that had their 2021 jackets on before the 2021 marathon and for me i didn't put it on until after i crossed the the line on boylston street right right you you put it on when you earn it well and it was one of those deals that it was kind of superstitious for me because i was like you know what if i put on this jacket and my calf does not do what it needs to do and i do not cross that finish line what the hell am i going to do with this jacket you know the weather turned out to be pretty good as i recall uh weather was misty in the morning um it was it was hot for me um in the morning it was overcast and misty it would have been great i would love to have that uh the thing that saved the heat for me was that every little kid was out in their yard with the garden hose (laughs) and they, there were lots of, of course, support was great. And they would, they would just douse you, you know, with the hoses in their yard. So that was a great thing. It was, it was hot. It was, it was was hot. And and the sun kind of came out and the, the difference between the Boston and some other marathons too, is this thing starts later on in the day. It doesn't start at six o'clock in the morning. Well, that, yeah, that's another thing I wanted to ask you about because, you know, I'm sitting in Kentucky and I'm watching online and I, I watch the elites go off and I'm waiting for your start. And you like were like two hours later or something. It was quite a bit later. Yeah, the elites, 
The elite started at 8.45. That's when my bus um, time was to get on the bus at Boston Common and then transferred us to the start line in Hopkinton. Um, Another side note. So we're riding on the bus. I'm in the back. There's a bunch of older gentlemen that are sitting in the seats that are on the other side of the bus. And I'm sitting with a very nice gal, actually was from Florida. Um, so we were chit-chatting around and talking and I hear the older guys, they start to grumble and they start to cuss the bus driver and they say stuff like, where the hell is this guy going? This Uh-oh. is not the way to Hopkinton. This is not the way to the start line. This guy's crazy. The other buses are now following us. What are we doing? And they are mad. I mean, Uh-oh. they are mad. Yeah. I don't know where I'm going. So I'm just happy to be on the bus to the start line. Sure. And uh, we figure out that our bus driver is leading eight other buses to the wrong entrance to Hopkinton. Oh, no. And the cop stops us. He, the bus driver is talking to, the, to the, uh, the cop that has stopped us. And he's like, hey, finish line's a mile and a half up the street. I can't let you through here. You're going to have to turn around and go back. And the bus driver... We just look at the bus driver. We're like, hey, what are we going to do? And he's like, well, you can either get off and walk or you go back with me to Boston Common. So those are your options. Well, for crying out loud. So they unload us a mile and a half. um, Would have been, heck, I don't know what direction it was, but a mile and a half straight down the road with some pretty big hills that we walked. um, We walked to the start line. It was crazy. That is, that's, that's, that is pretty crazy. Yeah. Well, old guys do that. I can speak for us. We, that's one of the things we do. We get, we get cranky. Let's talk about the course a little bit. I know, I think John had a question for you. Yeah. So, uh, I hear the course is, well, heartbreak hill and it's hilly. Uh, how did you train for that kind of stuff? I, I don't know where you live. Is it flat? Cause I know Bob's flat as a pancake down there where he lives. Um, I, I actually have, uh, I ran quite a few hills, um, and later part of long runs. There's actually a heartbreak hill is not a huge hill, but it's just where it is in the course is what makes it so bad. And, and there's actually a hill that's, that's, uh, two and a half miles from where I'm at. So I'm on one of my normal routes. That's about exactly the same as Heartbreak Hill. So Heartbreak Hill is, I don't remember exactly, and I know that I'm going to misspeak, but it's between... Uh, it's right around mile 20, isn't it? It's right around mile 20, but it's a little bit longer than three quarters of a mile. Um, it's, it's, I can't remember the grade right off the top of my, right off the top of my head, but it's not terrible. It's a challenging hill, but it's not like you're running up the side of a mountain. The bad part about it is, is it's the fourth hill in a series of hills there in Newton, mm-hmm. and you, you're pretty much rolling downhill, but there's some hills at the beginning of that course that are more formidable than what you think they should be. There's some shorter ones that are pretty short that are steep that you have to get up and get going on. And then the first hill in, in uh, Newton, I thought, was the worst one of the three. And then as a marathoner, when you get to those 18 to 21, those miles just start to drone through and you start oh, to yeah. lose track of where you are and you get, I want to say you get confused, but you kind of forget where you are and how far you've come. 
And I'm like, my gosh, was that the third hill? Was that the second hill? Is this heartbreak hill? Am I over it? Am I down the other side? So honestly, I had to go back to my race pictures to figure out which hill was heartbreak. Okay. There were four of them that were together and all of them were challenging. I think the first hill in Newton is actually worse than heartbreak. Okay. But that okay. was um that was kind of how I was. And then after you get over heartbreak, it's pretty well all downhill to the to the finish, but I sure didn't feel like the first half of the Boston Marathon was downhill. I was going to ask you about that. It was it's it's a very challenging course. Very challenging course. Yeah, I actually was. I look I look at the profile and it looks like the first half is downhill, but that's me looking at a profile. That's not me with uh, running with feet on the ground. That so yeah. They're rollers. They're rollers yeah. in the first half, and you, and you hit some of them, and some of them are kind of steep, and then you get kind of rolling down the other side. the 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 crazy part about it is, is when you start in Hopkinton, it's downhill quick. I mean, uh-huh. you can you can kind of get going down on that first mile. I checked my watch, and with a sore calf, I was running 755. Uh, yeah. Um, and I was trying not to run 755. I was trying I mean, yeah. to kind of make it, and it it was it's downhill at the beginning. So I can see how that course can kind of pull you and and kind of make it so that you think that you're kind of in control of it, but it it's a bear. That that last end middle is a is a bear. Well, you you finished with a very respectable time, in my opinion. You you came in under four hours. That's that's very very solid, especially for okay. a tough course like that. That's yeah, a tough it was, course. It was a tough course, and I kind of beat myself up over that time a little bit too, because I was like, God, I could have run that thing a little faster if I hadn't lollygagged around in some places that I that I stopped and walked and when. When you get to the point that you're like, okay, I can't run a 350 today. The time is slipping away from me. Because I started with, let's run a 330. Nope, my calf is hurt. Let's run a 350. Let's just make it, maybe I'll run 340. Nope, can't do that. Let's go 350. That was the goal when I started uh, the Boston that morning is just, just BQ again. That's what you can do today. Just BQ again on a sore calf. It'll be great. See how it goes. And then those kinds, those times kind of slipped away from me. So about, about the half marathon point, I was like, you know what? Probably run under four hours. It'll be great. Keep this pace up. Maybe I can pick it up in the second half. My legs were just dead in the hammer of the second half. I just well, didn't that's have a tough any half. Yeah. Just didn't have any spring. And I was like, you know, just run under four hours. And I could have mm-hmm. probably ran around that 352 or whatever it was if I hadn't a dillied around and stopped and walked and ate some things. And, <laughs> you know, hey, um, that's stop an and, awesome time. I think that really is your selfie at the sit go sign. But the funny part about it is I see the sit go sign. That's a, that's a mile to go. You can see it yep. from probably two miles away. Yep. I see a sit go sign. I'm like, yep. Probably ought to not gonna make 350. Probably ought to just take your uh, selfie with the sitgo sign. So I've been sprayed by those hoses the whole entire way. <laughs> right. Been yeah. dumping water on myself. I whip out my phone, swipe the screen. Screen doesn't work. Swipe the screen. Swipe the screen. Swipe the screen. Right. Wipe it off on my wet body. Swipe the screen. 
can't get it going. And I was like, oh, you better just go. And I was like, no, you've wasted like three minutes here trying to swipe the screen. So I finally got the screen to swipe, selfie the deal. So I probably wasted three and a half, four minutes just trying to get that stupid selfie. So for that, no I could have ran a little quicker. But No matter. It's worth it. And hey, look, while we're talking, let's... Let's talk about the finish. You're on. You're coming up. You know you've made it. You're going to make four hours. You make the turn on the Boylston Street. And I saw the uh, I saw the little video you posted of Ed there. Yep. What's going through your head? Uh, you know, it it's awesome. It's awesome. That run down Boylston Street is one of the coolest things because the crowd's huge. And you can see, you can hear the crowd. It's probably one of the only places as an amateur runner you can hear that kind of a crowd in that situation that people just want you to finish. I mean, everybody is wanting you to run and just get there. Um, so it was awesome. I wish the heck that I could get that feeling more often in life is to run that short little bit of distance and all through those people. And, and it, it's indescribable what that feeling is to turn that corner. Um, one of the things that I, that I read before I went in there was, Hey, you know, don't, there's no walking at Boylston street. <laughs> Obviously nobody is unless you're crawling, but they also said, Hey, there's a lot, there's a lot of uh, cameras. So one of the things as a younger runner that I always used to get in trouble from, from specifically from my parents. So I have a tendency to look down a lot. I look down in that, that five feet in front of me, six feet in front of me. I look down and I cruise. I probably got 25 pictures of me looking down, just looking down and driving <laughs> to that finish line. And I was like, man, next time got to look up, got to look up. You got to look up and enjoy it. So, so it would, it was great. It, I, it's hard to describe, Bob. It really is. Oh yeah. I, I can feel it in your, in your voice and I understand it. I, I know what you're talking about it. I'm not going to feel that, but I, I still get it as a, as an athlete. I get what you're talking about. Um, will there be a next time? Oh yeah. I'm uh, what do we got? I got a message from the BAA this morning. I looked at their Facebook post. We've got, a little less than a week until we get to register for Boston 2022. So the bonus about me running, going down there, fighting the snowstorm, running in Houston, the bonus of that is that time qualifier was good for two Bostons. Good deal. I was going to ask. That That's yeah. great. That's so, great. Yeah. I get to do that. So hopefully I can I can come back and run in that 3, 3.30 uh, range, somewhere in there, 3... I would love to run under 3.30 next spring. Um, that 3.36-ish would be great again. Um, I, I am also smart enough to know that I'm no spring chicken, and running those PRs are, are hard to do. Um, so, But I'm, I'm hoping that with, with each marathon, like, you know, all of your listeners probably need to do this as well. Each run should teach you something about how you need to prepare or get better on all this because there's so many little things that all of us can do and can tweak that um, that you can learn. What did I learn from Boston? 
I learned to not train like a jerk beforehand because, you know, Meb, I listened to Meb's book about a year ago on some of my long runs. One of the things that Meb says is that it's better to toe the line under trained than over trained. You're talking about 21 marathons? Yep. 21 yeah. marathons. Great yep. book, by the way. Great it's book. A great book. So that's one of the things that I took away specifically from this run up to Boston. A lot of people I know, specifically even in the Run Disney um, spectrum, they they worry about getting those training runs in. And training runs are very important. But the thing about it is, is if you're hurting or you're stressed or your sleep isn't right and things like that, the, the workouts... Sometimes the workouts do more harm than they do good. If you're just putzing around, you're like, ah, it's raining outside. I don't want to go run today. That's different. But if you're pushing yourself so hard, and I was, we were on the campaign trail. My job was extremely um, stressful. It was hot. I was training hard. My calf started hurting, and I just was a bulldozer and I pushed through it. I did the miles because I thought that I had to do the miles when I should have really been pulling back because that wasn't the thing that was the right for me. And I think I think there's a fine line in marathon training between going right to the edge and training roll and training how you should and going over that edge and then then you have to pull yourself back. Um and Specifically, when you're training for some some big race like uh, Boston or even, you know, something like Dopey, people just need to get the miles in. You need to get the miles in, but if you're hurting or you're stressed, you have to know when to pull that back. And that was the one thing that I didn't do on this Boston run-up. I didn't pull it back because I wanted that time goal so bad, and I knew I had to get those miles in at a certain time that I pushed through no matter the cost. And that was the wrong answer for that. Yeah. So yeah. that was my, that was my lesson for this specific marathon. Well, that's good advice. Yeah. We talk about that quite often that that's good advice. I'm, I'm a advocate of walking. If you have to, you get the endurance out of walking, but that's a different subject. Um, Mandy, outstanding. You got any final thoughts, any last things you want to talk about? Um, I guess, I guess for me, the, the biggest thing that my takeaway from, from my training part from the Boston Marathon is there's a thing that makes the Boston Marathon unique is the history behind it and the love the city has for that marathon. And the amount of course support is unparalleled. I mean, people, people talk about Chicago, people talk about, you know, the other races, people talk about the Disney races and how fun they are and they are fun. Um, but as far as the over outpouring of support from the local people, that Boston marathon, there's nothing in the world that's like it. You know, like I said earlier, I like to set goals that scare the crap out of me. Because that's when you really tell how much you can push yourself. People always say, oh, I can never qualify for Boston. I'm just not that fast. Well, how do you know? Did you ever try to be that fast? Because I sure as heck didn't think I was that fast either. But 
I guess that nothing's out of reach. And if you know 100% that, oh my gosh, I'm never going to run that fast, then I I think that it, if you really want to run Boston, get one of those charity bibs. Um, I've talked to a lot of charity runners as well that say that it's definitely worth it. And it's one of the, you know, big pinnacles of their running careers is to getting, getting to run Boston. Um, and I think as far as a charity bib goes, I think that you have to raise, I think some of the, the more inexpensive pledges are like 7,500 and then they run on up to, you know, 15,000 or so. Um, but those bibs are out there for people that want to try to get them. Um, and if you're passionate about fundraising and nonprofits, I think that that would be a, a good way to kill two birds with one stone. Agreed. Mandy, thanks for taking the time. I appreciate it. it that's just, it's a, it's a wonderful event. I'm glad you had time to come talk with us about it. Well, it was, it was a pleasure, Bob. I really, really appreciate you asking me to, to get on your podcast and tell my tale. I love that interview. I think that is wonderful. And I definitely cried when she did about that jacket. Yeah. Goals. You, you could probably tell, listen, and I know Mandy pretty well. I've had a chance to uh, meet with her and talk with her several times. Really, I mean, she downplays. She's a really good runner. Uh, you you qualify for Boston. You're a darn good runner. But Mandy is, and she's a, she's a great person too. In fact, I really I really admire her whole family. But when she, she kind of caught me by surprise there. I, I did expect her to get emotional talking about finishing that marathon. That's such a great accomplishment. I wasn't quite ready for it when we were talking about the jackets, but I, I it was very, very real and uh, genuine, heartfelt, and I just appreciated her taking the time with us. Okay, gang. Well, that about does it for this week. We ran a little longer than usual, but I think it was worth it, uh, especially opportunity to have that interview. One more time, if you want to talk with us, get yourself on that those race lists. And we'll be picking somebody every week to talk to. Now, next week, I'm sure we'll just be talking about the uh, wine and dine runs. But the week after that, we'll pick somebody new. And if you have a cool race that you want to tell us about, send us a message on Instagram or leave us a comment on the Facebook page. And we'll see if maybe you can join us on a race report. Hey, we want to talk about real, as we're wrapping this up here, we do want to talk about where to find us, how to find us. Somebody smarter than me about Instagram, talk about our Instagram account. <laughs> I got you, Bob. Um, we have an Instagram page. It's the Rise and Run Pod. You can go in there, follow us. Um, we post throughout the week. Right now we're doing some little introductions of each of us, and we'll post tips and anything that we find, some cool pictures of us going through past races. It's going to be a fun time. Thanks. I appreciate it. I Anything we can do to get the word out. If you if you like what you're listening to, tell your friends. If you don't like what you're listening to, tell us. <laughs> and you can share our Instagram story to your story to tell people about it. You can. I'm going to say, if you don't like what you're listening to, tell Jack. I'll, uh, she'll forward it to me. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that wasn't fair at all. <laughs> I, listen to pod, I listen to other podcasts and they're always at the end begging for five-star reviews in Apple Podcasts. And I, and a lot of times I'll, I'll do it. I do want to give a shout out to the Will Run For podcast group. 
who are following us on Instagram. That's an that's a nice little podcast. I listen to those guys quite often. That's similar to ours. I do not know those folks, but I look forward to meeting them. They seem like really nice, fun people, and I appreciate them picking up on on our group. Also, I want I want you to know we're listening to you too. So if you got something, uh, please take the time and give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Well, that's it for this week. One more time, I'll be at Disney this weekend. Alicia will be there. I genuinely genuinely look forward to seeing you. So take care. We'll talk to you next week. The Rise and Run podcast discusses general information about Run Disney and is in no way affiliated with Run Disney or the Walt Disney Company. Any information or advice discussed on this podcast should not be considered medical advice and should always consult with your healthcare provider or event organizer.